movie marks. From Concord, California, comes the most stylish, elegant, bewitching, eternally beguiling, continuously charismatic, and fantastically fascinating woman to be discussed on this or any podcast. Allow yourself to be seduced, enchanted, dazzled, and entranced by all red everything herself. We're the Movie Marks, and today we're hitting Slice Red number two <laughs> on Inconceivable, starring Eva Marie. Welcome to the Movie Marks, the podcast where we discuss movies starring professional wrestlers who act like amateurs. I'm Chris Sacco, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the Lex Luger to my sting, Chris Kramer. Oh, this, you know what? That is very good because much like Lex Luger and Sting, we are constantly being told that we are going to turn on each other (laughs) at all times. This is, I don't know if we've talked about this on the air, but this is one of our favorite WCW teams where they teased the the double cross turn for 19 years. (laughs) As long as I saw them, I assume they were turning on each other. That was the only storyline they ever had. Yeah, every t- no matter what they were they were champions, they were not champions, they weren't even a team. They talked about how they were good friends, but they always seemed to be looking side-eyed at each other. It's one of my favorite things. Yep. And then always it was like the the announcers yelling, "Well, Sting's being attacked. Where's Luger?" <laughs> so true, it's so true. And honestly, I don't think they ever had like a blow-off thing of that. <laughs> no. And if they did, we just all forgot about it because they talked about it so much. We were like, get it over with. It's like the opposite of Sam and Diane on Cheers. <laughs> uh, before I talk to all of you about Inconceivable, uh, we have some listener feedback to get to. This is in reference to our Snake Eater 3 episode, one of our, one of our classics. And Rich from Virginia wrote in, and he said that it was his favorite episode because of the toilet electrocution scene, which was hilarious. <laughs> So that pretty much tells you all you need to know about our listeners, that (laughs) they they like to highlight bathroom executions as their best points of the series. Well, thank you for listening, Rich. Uh, Let me recommend to you Home Alone 2. It has an excellent (laughs) bathroom electrocution scene. (laughs) Uh, Today's film is 2017. This is a pretty new one. Inconceivable. It is directed by Jonathan Baker who hasn't done a whole lot. He's done some TV, but not a whole lot of feature stuff. Um, The the movie starts... Yeah, Chris, I'm sorry to cut you off real quick, but I don't want you to pass up the importance of Jonathan Baker. I feel like you're not giving him his due. Okay, tell me about him. Well, if you go to his IMDb bio, uh, which I'm sure wasn't written by him at all, let me just read it to you real quick. (laughs) Jonathan Baker has always been enthralled by smart storytelling and larger-than-life figures. Taking inspirations from the greats like Ernest Hemingway to guide his own sensibilities as a writer, producer, director, and adventurer. Oh, no. You know, it's funny. I, uh, As you know, I watch the credits of these movies, and I, I might have mentioned this later, but I'll, I'll do it now. The, the credits for this film are, are really strange. They're like They don't scroll. They're like boxed-off PowerPoints. <laughs> and the last thing you see is a card that says, thank you, Warren Beatty. And then it says from Jonathan Baker at the bottom. 
So this ties into the people he idolizes and randomly name checks. <laughs> what does Warren Beatty have to do with anything? No, nothing. And and it's, it seems like a shame that his name is now attached to this. Oh, God. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to make sure Jonathan got the credit he deserves for being such a, a great artist. I appreciate that. We're going to talk about uh, Jonathan Baker as we <laughs> roll along here. Uh, this movie starts, and it's one of those movies that has 14 different animated <laughs> studio logos at the beginning. There's like, you know, there's Grindstone Entertainment and, oh, Jonathan Baker Productions, and, and they're all 14 seconds long, and there's 14 of them. So it just goes on forever with these random logos that you think are the start of the movie, but it's just another logo. <laughs> We couldn't get we couldn't get one company to foot the bill for Nick Cage, so we had to just go all around town finding anyone that will give us some money. <laughs> and I guess I should say before we start the plot, I'm going to apologize to the listeners. My my voice might crap out about halfway through, so I may have to tag in Kramer to finish the plot rundown. So I hope you had good notes on this one. Oh yeah, no, it'll immediately end when you do that, just so we all know. <laughs> uh, our movie opens. On shots of a fancy house, which is nice. It's like a HDTV thing. There's a woman running through the house, and she uh, grabs a, a crying baby to comfort her. And she's talking to the baby, who definitely doesn't understand English yet, but she's saying things like, we just need to go before before Daddy gets home. We have to get out of here. So they're establishing uh, this is, that this is an abuse story, and she's trying to run away from her, her deadbeat husband. So we're rooting for this character immediately, of course. Of course. Uh, the husband character comes home and is immediately and aggressively threatening. They don't even try and paint him as he's one of those intimidating, abusive guys. He just grabs her throat. <laughs> yeah, just immediately choking when he gets in the door. Yeah. So she was right to try and run away, I guess. Um, there's a kind of a mini struggle. She's able to grab a knife from the counter because, you know, everyone just leaves knives laying flat on their counter and stabs him in the gut, killing him. Uh, that scene ends, and we are now cut to what looks like a golf course where a lone figure is running down the cart paths. I have no idea where they they live in this movie. They, they really do look like they live on a golf course. It's out in the middle of, the like, a field. Yeah, the license plates are Ohio license plates, which is kind of weird. <laughs> uh, so I guess they live in Ohio. But yeah, they're, they're they're mega rich. I mean, they're whatever. The characters we're about to meet are both doctors, but these are like the richest doctors in the history of doctors. They live in like an estate. It's like Downton Abbey. So we meet uh, the our jogging human is Nicholas Cage, who is jogging around his neighborhood in winter clothes, even though it appears to be ninety five degrees outside. Yes, very very unsweated winter clothes too. Right, this man does not look like he's been jogging very hard. <laughs> Right, he's he's got like a beanie on, a jacket for some reason. It's all very, very odd. Uh, he stops in front of his mansion uh, to uh, marvel at the motorcycle parked out front. Oh, this which, fucking motorcycle. I mean, this is just a Ghost Rider reference, right? <laughs> There's no it other has reason. to be. Because <laughs> it's, 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 other than this and like a few minutes later, this motorcycle is not part of this story, but it really tries to set it up for some reason. Yeah, no, the, the camera stays on this so that we can clearly see the Harley logo. And, yeah, like you said, not a plot point. There's a lot, I mean, geez, we're going to talk about it. There's a lot of plot threads you think the movie is heading down, and they just don't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, he goes into the house, and uh, Gina Gershon is in his bed with a little girl. They're apparently a family. Good for them. Yep, this is a prequel to Face Off. 
Man, we should have watched Face Off. Is there a wrestler in that? Uh, I'm sure we could find somebody. We'll lie <laughs> if there isn't. We'll just start doing six degrees of wrestlers in movies so that we can qualify that because of this movie. <laughs> uh, Nick Cage is playing Dr. Brian Morgan, and Gina Gershon is playing his wife, Dr. Angela Morgan. She's been a stay-at-home mom since they had their daughter, so she hasn't been working. That's going to be a kind of a recurring plot point, which th- that might be interesting from a sort of familial drama situation, a woman you know, wanting to re- you know, restart her career. It's not, but they'll mention it a few times. Uh, they they go outside. He's going to work. Th- this script is already bizarre because this next scene seems to be completely ad-libbed. Like they told the cast to just like, oh, do your chemistry stuff. You have chemistry. Do your chemistry stuff. And it's all like they're all talking over each other. The kid is talking over the adults. Nick Cage is giving this weird speech about his interpretation of the song Purple Rain. Yeah. And th- yeah, sure. He sure is. And then Angela responds to him. Like, didn't he have other girlfriends? We always just trust people like this. Why are we talking about Prince like this? <laughs> and his interpretation of Purple Rain is kind of insane. It, 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 it's nowhere near what that song's about. <laughs> yeah, he says it's about fatherhood, which I, yeah, I don't I don't know. That seems like a reach. I, I think, yeah, again, this is lazy storytelling. I think what they're trying to show is that Brian is obsessed with having more children. I think that's what they're trying to tell us. It, but it's just so strange because it just seems like like a throwaway conversation. Oh, it's a throwaway movie. <laughs> uh, we go to our next scene. Angela is at is at a I guess it's a dog park for children. Would that just be a normal what park? Was this? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's just a group of children playing in like a corporate park fountain. <laughs> it really is. It's not a normal park. It's just it looks like it's where. Like when you go on a like a retreat for an office, they make everyone stand to take the <laughs> the team building photo. That's what it looks like. So Angela's there with, you know, this group of kids and she bumps into a character named Katie, who's played by Nikki Whelan. And spoilers, she's the character from the beginning of the movie. They, I guess they don't want you to know that yet because she's got different colored hair, but she looks exactly the same. So <laughs> that's her. Um, they're chatting. Oh, I have a daughter. Oh, they're about the same age. You know, cool. And in walks the hero from our perspective of this movie, the one and only Eva Marie. Ah, uh, yes, and just exuding all of the, <laughs> all of the uh... screen presence off the charts. Exactly, folks. that's what that's what it is off the charts. <laughs> she's billed by her full name here, Natalie Eva Marie, and she's playing a character named Linda. She starts talking about stuff as though she was in the middle of a conversation from a month ago that people will remember. <laughs> she walks in and she's like, "Oh." I see you've met the Katie I've been telling you about. And then Angela is surprised that this woman is Katie, even though she was just introduced. It's all very odd. So apparently Linda's been talking up her friend Angela, who has not been listening to her for weeks, I guess. No. And I guess they just <laughs> never happen to be there at the same time, even though she's been there for weeks. So has Katie never come to this class of her best friend with her daughter before? <clears throat> Linda is trying to get this, the three of them to become friends. She requests a threesome play date, which is not how you talk about that. That's wildly huh. inappropriate. <laughs> Unless that's what she's angling for. I Honestly, she definitely is. Like, right from the start, you can tell that is what she's angling for. But it is still a strange way to include your children in its <laughs> threesome play date with the kids. Uh, now we cut immediately to the threesome play date. And it's a wine and children party, which is strange. <laughs> The two girls, the, the little the little girls, Maddie and Cora, 
That's Angela and Katie's kids. They're sitting on the floor, I guess, watching cartoons. And then their mothers and Linda are just sitting on a couch drinking wine directly behind them and talking very loudly. No one can hear this movie. Nope. They're, they're under one giant blanket because, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of these people they just met, but let's all snuggle. It's It's just... I hope everyone realizes that in this movie, time makes no sense. Nope. Nope. Thing, things accelerate and decelerate at various points. They explain why they're friends. It's it's really dumb. Angela had a complicated pregnancy with her daughter because it was a, a donor egg and she carried, but it was it was hard on her body. And then Linda was her personal trainer because they keep wanting to tell you how fit Linda is. And that's why they're friends, whatever. Linda is aggressively also making sexual advances at Angela. Yes. Like, these are not thinly veiled. Like, she says things like, oh, I know your body better than your husband does. It's stuff like that, which, fine, if she's got a thing for Angela. But it's bizarre. Their children are in the room. (laughs) And again, this is another plot thread that they don't pick up. I thought at some point we were going to find out that they were a thing. Or had been at some point. And we were going to find out more about that. This movie just dips its toes into an erotic thriller but is yes no like it, it kind act- of like gives you a heads up like that's what it's going to be and then never happens right it, it that's that's the vibe they were going for at moments like this but the movie is not that movie so and that's one of the reasons why even marie is miscast actually because she would probably play much better in that type of movie yes in this movie she's just kind of like a vanilla friend character it's very uninteresting it's the same night. Brian comes home. I don't know what kind of doctor he is, but he seems to work 16 hours a day. That's rough. He walks in, and these three adult women have fallen asleep on the couch together. Okay. That doesn't happen. <laughs> like, were they mid-conversation and just all passed out? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Everyone doesn't... F- unless somebody was drugged. and Like, there was somebody drugged the wine, and they all passed out. But, you know, if you're hanging out with a friend, and their your friend falls asleep, you don't decide, I'm also going to take a nap now. <laughs> That's more of a sign of, oh, maybe we should leave. <laughs> um, He walks into the house. Brian does, like a rock star. Angela wakes up and sees him. <laughs> and in my favorite moment of the movie, it came early... Brian points at Katie and says, <laughs> who's that? <laughs> I laughed out loud. It was so funny. Who's that? <laughs> Angela introduces them. They go to bed, but they leave these four other people sleeping on the couch, which seems strange, too. While they're walking away, Katie, we get a close up of her face sleeping, and she snaps her eyes open to watch them walking away. So, Kramer, I just want you to know this is red flag number one for this movie and this character, okay? Okay. I'm, I'm glad that, I'm sure that uh, Nick Cage and Gina Gershon will see these red flags and, and call this off quickly, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. They're also keeping a tally, just like I was. I don't know what the film is establishing because up to this point, Katie slash this other person has been a sympathetic character. But already we got creepy slasher movie vibes. So Linda left... No explanation. But Katie stayed with her daughter, and she's making them all breakfast. She reveals that she's an artist, and she wants to start a mural painting business, which doesn't sound like a thing, but good luck. Now we cut to another Mommy and Me class, where all the girls are, and Linda wants to take a picture of Katie and Angela and their kids, and Katie says that she doesn't like taking pictures. So, Kramer, that's red flag number two. (laughs) <laughs> not only does she not like it, she like is like appalled at the idea. It's very, it's like super uncomfortable how much she doesn't want it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, in, in today's world, if someone does that, you should immediately be Googling them. But uh, now we cut to a like a garden party scene, and we meet the other huge actress who's in this movie for reasons I can't explain, as Faye Dunaway sneaks into this movie as Nicolas Cage's mother. Why? Why is she in here? No idea. I, I'm going to assume that this is where the thank you to Warren Beatty comes in. <laughs> that uh, he pulls true. some strings or something to get Faye Dunaway involved. Her acting is, I mean, honestly, the acting is never terrible. I mean, it's all, you know, it's, 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 this problem is more with the writing and stuff. But, like, even Nick Cage and Gershon, they're all okay for what this is. It's just there's nothing to work with. Yeah, and but, I mean, Nick Cage in particular, this is one of his classic sleepwalking roles, though. Oh, it definitely is. But it just shows you how talented he is that he sleepwalks and still is this decent. <laughs> like, it, it's actually kind of frustrating. Like, don't sleepwalk. Go make better things. But anyway. So this quick question about this kick off the summer dinner that clearly all families have. <laughs> um, so we meet other characters here, one of which yeah. is I don't know who this guy is, but he's yeah. in this entire movie and I don't know if we ever say who he is. Okay. You ready for this? I am ready. His character's name is Barry. Okay. If you say so. I had the same <laughs> note. I don't know who this person is. We find out later who he might be. But most importantly, Kramer, do you know who's playing him? I have no idea. It is none other than director Jonathan Baker. <laughs> that was that was the bake? That that's, was the baker? That's, that's the baker. Jonathan Baker, the the visionary as you described him in his IMDb profile. So the director of this movie didn't even make the character he plays make sense? Yeah, no, it makes no sense. He's just he's just sitting there. I mean, again, we find out later that he's a co-worker of Gina Gershon's on some level, but in this scene, I was I was thinking like, oh, is that one of their brothers? That's what I thought. I, that's what I thought the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, he's sitting next to Faye Dunaway. And honestly, Kramer, I'm going to be honest. He might be one of their brothers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad this isn't really like a... Well, at least this isn't an awkward dinner where Faye Dunaway dis- demands a... get Make your <laughs> friend give a speech. <laughs> well, you're wrong about that because it is an awkward Fuck. dinner. Where uh, Faye Dunaway is playing the snarky mother-in-law who instead of hating... Her daughter-in-law, she hates the daughter-in-law's new friend. It's a it's a very nuanced role. <laughs> yeah, so she they make her give a they make Katie give a speech, and it's all you know basically Faye Dunaway's radar is up about this random woman for some reason. I don't know why she cares, but she cares because it would it also would have made more sense if Faye Dunaway was Angela's mother, and she was telling Angela, oh, she's trying to steal your husband. But no, it's she's Brian's mother. And she's basically saying, like, I don't trust what she's doing to Angela. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this whole movie has this really uncomfortable, forced, friendly banter that they try and establish. Oh, this is this quirky thing I do. Oh, and I'm going to laugh about that quirky thing. And it's all very uncomfortable. It's never convincing. Because, again, like you said, time doesn't matter. And they want to show you that these people have become joined at the hip in a very brief time because of their chemistry. Yeah, the, the speed... At this movie moves is insane sometimes. Like, yeah. this friendship starts and she essentially moves in within like 25 minutes of this movie starting. Correct. Scenes also begin and end randomly, which makes them very hard to follow. There are times when scenes end like in the middle of a line of dialogue and just go into something else. It's really confusing. Um, the kids are at this uh, kick of the summer party and Katie is creepily staring at them from the dinner table. Kramer, that's red flag number three. <laughs> Katie's walking around the house. Um, 
She put she's helping the kids go to bed and stuff. Brian is telling Angela that his mother doesn't trust Katie. I don't know why you'd reveal this. It's all like <laughs> it's just so weird. Katie overhears them and walks into the kitchen and she's holding a stack of coloring books. And she drops them on the floor and Angela flips the fuck out. <laughs> like, oh, are you okay? Oh, maybe you're coming down with something. What could pop? I mean, she drops some coloring books. Let's settle down. <laughs> but she loses her mind. And this leads into our extended bonding monologue where we get them. They're hanging out by the pool and then they're, you know, in the kitchen. They're, they're having tea and they're calming each other down. We, we lay out all their backstories. Katie talks about her abusive ex and how she ran away with her daughter, which is, I guess, the scene we saw earlier in the movie. It may or may not be accurate, but that's what we're assuming at this point. Angela then hears everything Katie is saying, looks at her and proclaims, quote, she's lousy at making babies, close quote. So that's an odd way to lead into our dramatic portion of the film, Angela, but here we go. She tells the story about how she and Brian have been trying to get pregnant. They've had a lot of problems. She's had a multiple miscarriages, so that's why they went through surrogacy. And even that was difficult on her. It affected her body. She started taking pain pills, got addicted to them, and she's all good now, but it was a really trying experience. And then the capper on this scene is that she reveals to Katie that she is once again pregnant. So <laughs> I don't know why you would lead with all the depressing stuff about how pregnancy is so difficult for you <laughs> and then sunny it up with, oh, yeah, and it's happening again. But there you go. I, I feel like the red flags could work both ways in this movie. <laughs> Even though Katie may or may not be a psychopath, she should also be like, you know what? These people are kind of weird, even for me. <laughs> That's a more interesting movie. <laughs> she she, she alters her, her evil plan because the people are too weird. <laughs> so this poolside chat scene ends very randomly. This is one of those that ends seemingly mid-sentence. And we get a flashback to more of Katie's past. It's more of the same stuff. She's sad. She's got different colored hair. And now we cut to a mommy and me scene and they're doing like a like a mother daughter dance thing. It's like square dancing. And yeah, it's so weird. And Angela starts to double over in pain. Linda comes over. She's saying, oh, no, it's happening again. It's happening again. And Angela has a miscarriage at this mommy and me class. So it happened again. Very sad. But I would like to point out that this was a plot point for literally 45 seconds. Yeah, this is this is insane. Just the speed. We just found out about this. They, they could have developed how happy she and Brian were about this. But from a plot perspective, we learn about it. And then basically the next scene, it's gone. So it, it's manipulative and not even a interesting plot way. So and, uh, you know, everyone's sad. Brian's taking it hard. And this is actually where you get to see some of these people are decent actors because this is they're actually tapping into real emotion. So it's actually probably from a dramatic perspective, one of the highlights of the movie. But my note is that. It's pretty wild that Inconceivable is actually a movie about child conception. Like, <laughs> like I know that's the first instinct of what the title of this movie might be, but that's that's out there, that, that they named this movie Inconceivable. <laughs> uh, we cut, uh, some time has passed, we don't know how much, and time does not matter. Uh, and these, this group of four people are apparently now inseparable, and they're just wandering through a field, I don't know if this is their property, <laughs> But it's just, it's just foursome. It's uh, Brian, Angela, Katie, and Linda. They're just walking and chatting. I guess this is what these people do now. All of the, They're all mismatched ages and like <laughs> career levels. But no, they're, they're inseparable on every level. 
Katie reveals that she's moving to, um, was it Colorado or something? But Brian and Angela basically force her to stay and move into their guest house permanently to become their nanny. Yes, that's a red flag. (laughs) Kramer, Kramer, ding, ding, ding. That's red flag number four. Because she's an artist, not qualified to be a nanny, definite red flag. And I, I, at this point, we don't know a lot about Katie, but I have, as we learn more about her, I have questions about this plot point in particular. Because it's never disclosed if she's making this up or not. Did she really get a job offer? Or is she manipulating them? I don't know. I think she's manipulating them, but also she is taking a leap of faith that this is going to work in her plans. Right. What if they say, oh, good luck. What what, what then? (laughs) They're just like, oh, man, we love Colorado. We'll visit you. (laughs) Uh, We have another family dinner thing. So this is is the... uh, the summer series of family dinners, same cast. This is this is the same scene. They just changed the decorations on the table and filmed it. Uh, yeah, this is now Fourth of July. So even if you manipulate the time in some way, it's only been two months, and they're all you know. This is now a family. These people have no other friends too. I just love that that their only friends are these this, this stranger Linda and his mother. I love that. That makes me happy. <laughs> Faye Dunaway is again suspicious of Katie. She's basically just saying the same lines. And from a from a viewer perspective, she's obviously onto something. Like you know that's where the movie is headed. But honestly, I don't know why she doesn't trust Katie. From all we know, she seems to be just like a normal woman who had some bad luck. But Faye Dunaway has like radar for this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it does she's not in she doesn't know she's in a movie, so she shouldn't be picking up on these red flags. Well, no. Well, well, it'd be great if Faye Dunaway would just would have been like, "Listen, I'm crazy, and I can spot crazy a mile away." <laughs> <laughs> Brian uh, tries to be intimate with his wife upstairs, and uh, she's still, you know, recovering emotionally from what happened. So she tells him she's not in the mood. So he decides to go outside to look at the fireworks, and here we get our gratuitous and random nudity scene which does not need to be in this movie on any level. No, unless it's an erotic thriller, because then this would have made sense. Yep, but it's not, so it doesn't. (laughs) Brian goes out on the balcony. He's looking at the fireworks and glances down at the pool where Katie is skinny dipping in such an unnatural way as to make the entire experience uncomfortable. Like, it's not like she jumps into the pool naked. You know, whatever. You want to jump into a pool naked. She walks in step by step, staring straight ahead at no other human. (laughs) And then, like, dunks her whole body in until she's submerged and then pops up and stares at the camera. That's not how humans get into a pool. What was she doing this for? Well, if you told me this was now part of the species universe, this would have made sense. (laughs) It's 100% what it, it seems like. I like, to Nick Cage watching this from his balcony... And he's trying to hide himself, but it's a wide open balcony with yeah. nothing else but him. So he just kind of turns his body sideways <laughs> like they watch the way they watch TV in WWF, WWE. <laughs> he uh, he's also I think that he's trying to play it like, oh, I don't want to see this, but I kind of have to look. I think that they're trying to do both of those things. And, and this is a plot thread that they don't pull. At no point is this a seduction thriller. No, and that's literally my note here was. Oh, we've started the part of the movie where Katie seduces Nick Cage. Guess what, everyone? We didn't start that part of the movie. 
Exactly. I mean, whatever. I'm not I'm not saying that's a better movie, but at least that is a logical progression for this movie. If that's not this movie, this scene should not be in there. There's no other nudity. This woman is just literally walking towards the camera naked. It's completely gratuitous. I don't understand it. Oh, Kramer, by the way, randomly skinny dipping in someone else's pool. Red flag number five. <laughs> Um, Angela goes back to work. She decides that it's time for her to go back to work. Uh, she's had this another trauma. She's decided, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna restart my career. And Katie says that since she's now the nanny, she'll take care of the kids, and it's kind of a, you know, it's gonna work out in the end. And Katie utters the line, "I'll keep your daughter so busy that she won't even miss you." Red flag number six. <laughs> so Angela goes back to work. I do have a question, Kramer. You, you, you know stuff, right? I know things. What is a part-time doctor? Is that a thing? <laughs> Angela says I'm going to go be a part-time doctor. It, it, like I I mean I guess you can do that. I don't understand. What what is that? You only I, talk to your patients, you know, 30 hours a week instead of 40? I don't know. Yeah, and if they need you, if unfortunately if it's not in that window, they're screwed. Yeah, it's I mean, what I, we, we all we don't know what kind of doctors they are. She wears scrubs to work, which I guess implies she's a surgeon. Because, you know, like like a, a family doctor, they don't wear scrubs. <laughs> no. So I don't, it's, yeah. H- how about this for a, a better movie? Why isn't she an OBGYN? Better movie. We have, we have some, because now she has to deal with this at work, the thing she's been struggling with at home. Character development. You're asking for uh, this movie to do much more than it's capable of. How do I get a hold of Warren Beatty? Because I could have pitched that to him right now. And then he's going to be mad and just find out that his name was part of this movie for some reason. <laughs> uh, so it's Katie's first day on the job as a stay-at-home nanny. And she is immediately going through Angela's uh, closets. She's touching all the clothing, which is, of course, red flag number seven. It also is seems to be continuing the idea that she's trying to take over Angela's life. Because she's sort of thumbing through her stuff, like, oh, I would, I would love to wear all these things. Don't worry, she doesn't do any of that stuff. Don't know why she cares about the clothes. Nope, it's not a single white female uh, situation. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, she's walking through the house. She's looking at all these photos. There's, there's that random guy played by Jonathan Baker in a bunch of these photos. Why is he in the photos? I don't have photos like that of my coworkers <laughs> laying well, around. Yeah. Well, again, he might be someone's brother. Th- this is one of those great things that I talk about on this show a lot. It's one of those great faked Photoshop for movie purposes photos where it's clearly just a still image from the movie earlier that they put (laughs) into a frame. I love those. Those make me happy. So now I think it's the same day. It it may not be, but I'm pretty sure it is. So Angela comes home. She she was it was a rough day at work. She misses her kids. She comes home. She can't find anyone in the house in this mansion. She's calling all their names. Brian's not there. The, The kid Cora isn't there. Can't find anyone. So she goes to the guest house and she looks through the window and sees Katie having sex with someone. And she thinks it might be Brian. Red flag number eight. But is, isn't is this day one of the nanny gig? Yeah, basically. And the child is nowhere to be found and Katie is boning someone <laughs> in the middle of the day? Wasn't she supposed to be watching the children? Where are the children? So are you saying this is a red flag? It, this is all part of red flag number eight. Dude, this this scene where she sees her having sex, this movie works so hard during this scene to not show you who she's sleeping with to the point where you know it's not going to be Brian. Yeah, it's definitely not. Yeah, I mean, that would have actually been more interesting if it was Brian. Again, it would have been sort of your standard thriller because it, it at least would have been shocking 
because they didn't establish anything. But no, it's just you can't see who it is. So you know it's definitely not Brian Kramer. I'm going to be honest. And this is knowing what we know about this movie. This is going to be wild. I thought it was going to be the random guy from the family parties. (laughs) I thought that that's who it was going to be because they showed her looking at that picture of him, which didn't need to be there. So I thought, oh, did she seduce him to get in with the family? But no, it's it's not. It's it's it's. And don't worry, everyone, because this big surprise is immediately revealed to us within the next, like, 10 minutes. Not even. It's 30 seconds later. (laughs) Well, (laughs) part of it is 30 seconds later. Katie comes out later in the day. Uh, She's apologizing. Angelo says, oh, I thought you were sleeping with Brian, basically, which why would you tell this this attractive (laughs) nanny that you think her husband has the hots for her? That's weird. But no, uh, she says, oh, did it make you uncomfortable because it was a woman? So Katie was sleeping with a woman. Did Angela not see that it was a woman? Because we didn't see that. No, the way they shot it, you couldn't see anybody but Katie. Yeah, you see Katie's back. So I don't, but whatever. So that's half the reveal. It's a woman. And, you know, listeners, if you've been following along, there aren't that many characters in the movie. So so you know yes. where this is headed. It's either yes. Faye Dunaway, Faye Dunaway or Eva Marie. <laughs> <laughs> And again, here's the next half of that reveal. We cut to the beach. This goddamn scene. This yeah. goddamn scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we get an Eva Marie jogging scene. She's running on the beach. She's basically running in a bra and sweatpants. She gets back to where her beach encampment is, and Katie is there, and it turns out that Linda was the one who was sleeping with Katie. They're a couple. But for some reason, this is being kept a secret. I don't know why. They're all friends, right? Would Angela care if Linda and Katie were dating? No, why would, why she is wouldn't this at all. It makes no sense. Yeah, you know, this doesn't make any sense why it's a secret. But they're they're very, like, freaked out about it. Oh, she can't know. She can't know. I feel like Angela would be very happy that two of her close friends are in love. But anyway, so uh, a few scenes ago, we talked about how Katie may or may not have gotten a job as a muralist in Colorado. <laughs> Linda was there for that scene. They They are dating. Wouldn't Linda have been more annoyed that her girlfriend didn't tell her this and waited to tell her in front of these two other people. And she didn't seem to care that she was moving. Brian and Angela cared more than Linda did. This doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't think this movie knew this was going to happen. I don't think this was filmed in an order that made sense. (laughs) Well, that may be, but I also think they wanted to keep this shocking secret that these two were a couple for as long as they could. But it's so irrelevant and pointless. Linda now reveals in a very long, very long scene where it is all Eva Marie explaining the plot of the movie (laughs) that Brian and Angela have asked her to be their surrogate for another child. Linda is going to be the surrogate. Katie is visibly disappointed by this, which, folks, red flag number nine. No one should be this upset about not being chosen to be a surrogate. Katie then says to Linda over and over, don't you have to go swimming for three miles? Don't you have to go swimming for three miles? Like, she clearly wants her to get into the water. So (laughs) that's red flag number 10. Because (laughs) when someone tries to get you to, (laughs) you know, the middle of nowhere (laughs) that hard, something bad's going to happen. Eva Marie puts on what looks like uh, sort of the scuba equipment that James Bond would wear. It does. (laughs) And she goes for her swim. We then cut to those the sort of like in the middle of like a like a lake or something like in Ohio, I guess. And Katie is creepily standing in the water in front of Linda in her underwear. And she lays out the entire plot. We're we're only about halfway through this movie. 
and she lays out everything. So for the rest of the movie, there are no more mysteries. Nope, we know you, everything. You, everything has been spoiled right now. Yes. Um, I'm going to try and do this as succinctly as possible. She was an egg donor, Katie. She gave her eggs to a clinic. She did it because she thought these women wanted to be mothers more than anything. And then she, I guess, had a breakdown or something and decided that she wanted all of those eggs that were eventually turned into children. That's not the right terminology, but I'm going to leave it because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the right terminology. She decided she wanted those kids back because they are hers. And so that's what she's been doing. She's been going around and effectively kidnapping other people's children that came from her eggs. So that opening scene where she killed that guy, that wasn't her abusive husband. That was the father of her daughter, Maddie, whose mother had used Katie's eggs. Does that make sense? That makes sense, and it's also as insane as it sounds. It's it's played so poorly that this could actually be an interesting story for, like, emotional weight. But instead, it's played for, like, cheap thrills and, like, horror stuff, basically. If this was played like a, like a woman really struggling with this, this could be interesting. But it, it just uses it as a device for, basically, fatal attraction. Yes, exactly. And the entire time she's giving this speech in her bra and panties yeah. in a in a Ohio area lake in like, I don't know, November. <laughs> it's it's really frustrating. There I feel like with this premise, there's actually a good movie. But this movie is not it. So yeah, this is so confusing. Also, we learn that Angela's daughter, Cora, is actually from Katie's eggs. So she thinks Cora is her daughter as well. Correct. Because Angela carried Katie's eggs. And that's how we got Cora. Okay, so this entire monologue has about a billion red flags, obviously. But let's just call it red flag number 11, okay? <laughs> uh, Eva Marie is doing her best, I'm astonished, acting here. Which is to say, she's not doing a great job. But in her defense, this is like way out there. The fact that she's got to be a part of this scene in particular <laughs> is really unfortunate. <laughs> she's standing in water. She's soaking wet. It's like, got to be the most uncomfortable thing to film anyway. And uh, Linda calls her sick and follows it up with, baby, you need help, <laughs> which I just thought was funny. Like, man, you're insane. Baby, you need help. <laughs> Feels like that would be a promo catchphrase. Katie disagrees. Um, I don't know if she's going to ask Linda for help. Maybe there's going to be a team up situation. That might have been interesting. But no, Katie immediately bashes her head in with a huge rock and drowns Linda. Bye bye, Eva Marie. Yes. So here, let me go over sorted things from this scene because I have issues with a lot going on in this scene and I hate you for making me watch it. You're welcome. All right. So first of all, it wasn't a rock. It was a dumbbell. So she was standing there with a dumbbell the entire time that she just had from the beach. I guess Linda brought it with her. Wait, wait, wait a minute. She hit her with a, a dumbbell? Yes, it was a dumbbell. Oh man, I did not see that. <laughs> right. Well, first of all, I guess Linda was not paying attention with her peripheral because I would have been wondering why she was standing in this fucking lake holding a dumbbell. <laughs> hey, 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 baby, can you please lift your hands above the water? Why do you hey, have your hands hey, below the water the whole time? You're really struggling on your right side. What is like, that's real weird. And here's what really bothered me about this entire scene the most. When we first get to this beach. There is an entire family having a picnic on this beach in the background. Yes. yes, there is. Are they still there? Have they been watching this entire thing going down? Okay, so I th 
Look, I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend that this makes sense, but I believe that's why they kept saying earlier you have to swim for 3 miles because they wanted time to have elapsed. So either they're in a different part of the lake or it's been so long that the other family gave up. <laughs> but yeah, why there, there was other that people family in the background of the shot to begin with. Because they're not extras. They were just on the beach the day they were <laughs> filming and they couldn't edit them out in post. That's what I I picture that family sitting there going like this as this is happening in real time, like, yo, honey, honey, is that woman taking off her clothes <laughs> and just walking into the lake? What is going on? Why is she carrying a dumbbell? <laughs> what is Oh my god, she hit her. Why did Oh God When when uh Katie hits Linda, Linda basically does the uh like the stalling bump that you see in like like a gimmick joke match where she gets hit in the head and then like slowly falls into the water. It doesn't look natural at all. If you got hit that hard, you would violently swing into the water. But no, she like tips back. <laughs> uh, also, Chris, uh, now that Eva Marie is dead, do you just want to jump to the three count or what? <laughs> the same note. We can stop watching. <laughs> but no, listeners, that's not how we do things here on the movie marks. But but feel free to skip ahead. <laughs> oh man, that was a, that was a wild scene. It was it was all expected and yet really really out there. So after this brutal murder, we cut to Katie uh, lounging in a pool outside of her guest house, and she's roughly three months pregnant. So yep, significant time jump. She has now. I mean, I'm deducing this. She has now taken Linda's place as the surrogate for Angela and Brian, which. I mean, so many questions about how that process went down. Oh, my my surrogate disappeared. Yeah, why don't we stick it in you? Like, that seems like way out Jesus. there. Uh, no one seems to really care that Linda is dead. She's barely even mentioned. Oh, no, she's reduced to a uh, postcard. <laughs> right. Angela is sitting there outside the pool with her mother-in-law, again, who does not like Katie. And she says, oh, she's been so supportive of me since Linda died in that boating accident. <laughs> okay. We, uh, we, we do see uh, Eva Marie washing up kind of on the shore and people like pointing at her that they find her dead body. Completely <laughs> unnecessary, but we do see that. So Yes, and clearly in a body of water that is not connected to this lake either. It was like, this was like a lake in a park and suddenly her body's in like an industrial area. Yeah, there's no, there's, there's a, there's a dock for some reason. Does Linda have a history of boating? Because there's no there's no establishment of why she would have even been on a boat. Who did she go out with? N- none of this stuff is like no any questions that this woman dies. Faye Dunaway does say that she thinks Linda and Katie were dating, which again, how does she know this stuff? <laughs> Angela's like, no, never. That can't be true. What? Uh, Kramer, it's time for red flag number twelve. Angela overhears Katie telling a stranger that she's Cora's mother. That's a pretty big one. Yeah, that one should have been like the, you know what? I've let a lot slip yeah. in, this, in this six to three years we've known each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one should have been, I got to shut this down now. Katie is still working on this bedroom mural she promised to paint for Brian and Angela. Like you said, she's now five months pregnant. She promised to do it before she was pregnant. So how long does it take to paint the fucking wall? She's been doing this mural for like a year. And... And listener, if you don't watch this movie, you don't have to. Uh, this mural, not that impressive. Nope. Shouldn't take nope. this long. <laughs> it's like a tree with like a few cows. That's it. 
Uh, so the fact that she can't finish her work is red flag number 13. And it's immediately followed by red flag number 14, where Angela sees Katie dying her four-year-old daughter's hair blonde. Uh, we now jump ahead again. And now they're saying that it's only three weeks to go until this baby's born. So it's been nine months and we didn't get any of this information filled in. Just jumps ahead. And, and just so the listener all knows, um, we haven't mentioned Nicolas Cage much because he is in and out of this movie a lot. One of my notes is that he's really wasted in this movie. Now, obviously, this is a budgetary thing where he cannot appear on set a lot because he's probably the most expensive one and on and on. So the movie focuses on the women, which is fine. But when he does pop in, you forget that he's in the movie. This could have been any other character actor. It didn't have to be Nick Cage. It could have saved a ton of money. Right. Yeah. So so I'm a little confused. Angela at one point told her doctor to give Katie drugs because she was having some, you know, nervous feelings about the pregnancy. And it's implied later that Angela did this so she could have the drugs. But they never show her taking drugs. They just show her with the bottle. So I'm confused. Either she's taking drugs or wanted to and didn't. But either way, she has a history of drug addiction, so it's a problem. It's confusing. We get more flashbacks. Uh, apparently, Katie ran this mural scam before because they flash back to her painting another mural in another family's house. <laughs> so this is her gimmick. You know, you know, uh, Jason wears the hockey mask. This chick paints murals. That's... <laughs> she killed... Uh, they show her killing another mother. I guess this is the, the wife... Of the man we saw her kill earlier, she drowns her in a, in a hot tub. So this is Maddie's yeah. mother she kills, I guess. Katie is a big, big fan of drowning. She's just drowning people left and right. Um, My note here is, how is there still 47 minutes left in this movie? Oh, this movie, I was pausing this movie to do time checks a lot. <laughs> and it felt like it was never changing. <laughs> Kramer, we've done 28 other episodes. 30, if you count the two unpublished <laughs> pilot episodes, this is the first time I've ever been tempted to fast forward. Seriously. <laughs> it's never it's never even crossed my mind before. In this one, I was like, man, I could probably skip some of these scenes. Well, you could have, because not enough happens that it would have mattered. Yeah. I didn't, though. I didn't. I, I powered through. So you're welcome, listeners. <laughs> Angela finds, uh, she sneaks into the guest house, because now she's starting to get a little suspicious, so it only took, what, 15 red flags? Yep, 15 red flags and three to six years. And uh, a, a dead friend and, uh, <laughs> and and on and on. She breaks into the guest house and she finds a dog-eared copy of a pregnancy book with creepy notes written to the unborn baby in it. Kramer, red flag number 15. <laughs> and this movie wants there to be tension in these scenes. Like Angela hears a noise, so she like puts the books back the right way and runs out like it's Mission Impossible. But... There's no tension whatsoever. I keep saying this this premise would have worked better in a straight drama, and the movie feels more like a straight drama, but it wants to be a thriller, and it's not. It's so, I don't know, just so boring. Like, <laughs> Especially when you know that there's this much time left in the movie. Of course she's not going to get caught right now. That'll happen later. Uh, here's where Angela finally starts to do the uh, what, what every character in every movie like this does. They start Googling their <laughs> their surrogate mother nine months after you've agreed to let her carry your child. And she may have epilepsy in addition to her other issues because she falls asleep while Googling, which <laughs> I've never done that. That seems like when you're this worked up that you may not trust someone, you should probably focus in. And uh, Brian wakes her up saying she's going to be late for work. And, she, and uh, Angela utters the line, Jiminy Crickets, it's late. What is that? 
that like, is the I... most un. What is that? that what is, is that? No one says that. Uh, Angela's looking at her refrigerator, and Katie has cleverly covered Angela's face on every photo by like positioning the corners of the other photos over her. It's really funny. It is also red flag number sixteen, but it's hilarious how it's like, oh, Angela's here, so I'm I'm just gonna put this picture of the random guy from the dinners <laughs> over her at an angle. Oh God, I, I I could still see Angela in this one. Oh, oh here, <laughs> let me use this uh this menu I got from Pasquale's Pizza and just put it over her. There we go, looking good. I, again, this is more of a thing. In a I'm going to steal your husband plot, not in a I'm planning to murder you and take your children plot. Why would she be leaving all these breadcrumbs for Angela to follow? <laughs> so we get to another scene. Things are starting to accelerate at this point. Angela walks in after work. Brian says, oh, we've got a surprise for you. It's going to be great. So they go up to the nursery for their unborn baby. And he says, I just picked up this painting from the framers. There's no frame on this painting. I just want you to know that. <laughs> so so he, got, he overpaid for whatever framing they did. It's a canvas. And it's the name of their what their, what their new baby is going to be named. It says Gabriel. So they picked it. And now we get an argument about something we didn't know was an argument. Where Angela's really pissed off that Brian picked a name without talking to her about it. Which she should be. But also, the movie has never established that they were arguing about this baby name before. I'm glad you are saying this because I thought I missed a complete scene. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. She says, oh, we had it narrowed down to three. And he says, oh, yeah, but we, we were leaning towards Gabriel. And it's like, what the fuck are we even talking about? <laughs> why, are we, why are we arguing about this? This is where we get our first confrontation scene where Angela basically snaps and starts yelling at Katie. Did you kill Linda? Were you dating Linda? You you made her do this. And it's like, it comes out of nowhere to all the other characters. Faye Dunaway is also in this scene, which is just, why is she there? But, well, not only is why is she there, is this her last scene in the movie? I mean, look, I'd be lying if I said I, I was tracking red flags, not Faye Dunaway's, okay? Well, especially, well, here's my question. Faye Dunaway is in this movie, and I am 99% sure this is her last scene, and she is never seen again. Why didn't Katie kill Faye Dunaway? Well, I mean, partly because they probably couldn't get Faye Dunaway to agree to be drowned. <laughs> and they, they they never interact except in those group settings. That's the thing. So, again, in a movie like this, usually there's the one character who knows too much and they get bumped off. But the character who knows too much is just kind of warning everyone and no one listens. And the person that gets bumped off is this seemingly sympathetic character, Linda. <laughs> That doesn't advance the plot at all, really. God damn this movie. So Brian is freaked out. And I guess from his perspective, it kind of makes sense. This does seem out of character for Angela or the accusations seem out of character for Katie. And Katie also says, because she had previously seen Angela throwing out the bottle of pills. She says, I think Angela's using drugs again. That creates a whole thing. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of drug testing conversation for another like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. Our next scene is between Brian and Angela in the room with the mural. And Kramer, I I don't know if you're not going to go back and look, because why would you? And I don't know if I can visually represent this on the Instagram, so I'll just describe it. They're in the room where Katie painted this mural, and I want everyone to know that the mural is not real. It it's, it's clearly been put back there as though on a green screen. So this is a blank wall that they're acting against. Either they didn't, they couldn't paint the wall for some reason, but you can see when... Angela leans against it. You can see the edges of the green screen, like where they where they didn't mix in the color right. Are you serious? Yeah, it, it's. I don't know if I can visually present I get what it you're to saying, you, but I don't understand how that would happen. 
Like you, why couldn't you just paint a fucking wall? I, I honestly don't. I, there's, there. They use this mural more than once in the movie. It becomes a plot device. So my guess is they wanted to duplicate it, but I, I don't know. If you want to go back and check just this scene, just to it, it, it's, it looks really. It's obvious to me. I don't know at least. But uh, no, my my three ninety nine Amazon rental is up by now, and I am not <laughs> re renting this film. I rented mine from the library, and yes, I did watch the special features. <laughs> basically, Brian says you have to apologize because I, I'm, I'm not. He basically he says to her, "I'm not even saying you're wrong, but she's carrying our child, and we have like ten days left. Just apologize before she takes the baby away from us." And to be fair, he's not wrong. <laughs> she kind of has all the power, which again, if handled well, this would be interesting. But it's handled poorly. So Angela's freaked out; she doesn't know what to do. Uh, we, we get a random cut scene where Katie is now no longer sleeping in her guest house. She is now sleeping in a single bed with the two four-year-old girls. Red flag number 17. Uh, Angela once again breaks into Katie's guest house. This time she actually breaks in. Like she cracks open a, <laughs> the screen on the window. She sneaks in. She cuts her hand, which is kind of sort of going to be a plot thing. There's blood on the window. She goes to look through the pregnancy book with the notes again. But the notes have all been taken away because obviously Katie knew she did this. I don't, I mean, what was she going to do? Show them the notes? And it wouldn't have proved anything. She then goes to the bathroom to clean out her cut, and she sees that Katie wears colored contact lenses. She's got blue contact lenses. And for me, this isn't actually a red flag, but this freaks Angela the fuck out. She's like, holy shit, she she doesn't have blue eyes? Like, who cares? (laughs) I know, that's a weird thing to get angry. Like, it's the least threatening thing in this entire movie. Right. Like, I mean, you know that she also dyes her hair. Why didn't you flip a table over when you found that out? It just doesn't make any sense. Next scene is Brian driving Katie to the urine sample place. Like, I don't know why this duo is doing this together. Shouldn't Angela be there? Like, Katie is <laughs> Katie is in the passenger seat holding a cup of Angela's urine. <laughs> It's so weird. I don't know why it's happening. They're talking about it, and they're also being, like, very calm about it. Brian's like, well, why would she give the pee sample if she wasn't using? And Katie says, well, we should be sure. Are they best friends now? What the fuck is happening? (laughs) Uh, Angela does more Googling, and somehow she finds a website for the surrogacy company she used. I don't know if they're companies. Oh, my God. This institution. She uses, she's on the phone. It's a poorly edited phone scene. The, the, the dialogue doesn't line up. She basically, she's asking, oh, can you tell me the list of all your surrogates? The person says, of course not. It goes on and on and on like that. And, and there's a video on the website where like the leader of the, <laughs> the surrogate place is saying, we're a great surrogate place. And, in the, and behind her is the same mural that Katie painted in their house. So this is how she kind of puts it all together. Katie's a one-trick pony. She only knows how to paint one mural. That's correct. This phone call, though, is amazing. It's it's just wild. The energy is 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 turned right up to zero. It's <laughs> that the woman in that video is the woman that Katie killed in the pool. So I guess she runs the surrogacy surrogacy clinic and also used it to have her kid. It there's so much stuff going on that doesn't need to be there. Well, she calls this this place, and the receptionist when she asks for the doctor, the receptionist goes essentially. She says, "Oh, Doctor Smith's not here anymore." She passed away. It was ruled a suicide. That's not a. That, you don't. You just don't give that information away over the like to somebody calling. And, and Angela, just from the way she answered, is like, "Oh, it sounds like you think there was more to it." What? What? This fucking <laughs> this receptionist is giving out a lot of information for no reason. 
And Angela, who missed all of these red flags throughout the movie, is now like Kojak. Like she could figure out fucking like <laughs> minor clues from a phone conversation. So now she's freaking out. She calls in some help from a coworker. And now here's where Jonathan Baker re-enters the film. It turns out that this person who they're very close friends with sometimes is also a DNA specialist. I mean, fuck you. Sure. <laughs> but basically she says, how do I get DNA? And he says, oh, well, hair samples can be tricky. I need saliva. More needless information. Just right. tell her she, you need saliva. She has a doctor, right, though? Like yeah, the doctor should know this already. She's she's not a DNA doctor. She's a part time doctor. They don't learn about DNA until you go full time. Anyway, <laughs> so now we get uh, there's like a double sneaky scene going on. Angela needs saliva from Katie and Katie is trying to drug Angela. So we get what is basically I mean, to me, it played like a slapstick scene from like an Adam Sandler movie. Angela's like, oh, I, I, I really need you to drink this so that I can then get your glass. And Katie's like got her back turned and she's at the smoothie machine dumping pills into the smoothie. <laughs> Why? If Angela really does believe that Katie is some kind of insane person living in her yep. house, why would you drink anything she hands you? Exactly. It, it's just so out there. If you have this much information, you don't need DNA. You don't need DNA at this point. Call the police. Say, I'm I'm very suspicious. Even the mural would probably be enough to at least make her question it. But whatever. So uh, then, of course, Angela chugs this smoothie. Not how you drink smoothies, but she <laughs> chugs it instantly. So she's got all these pills in her system. Then Katie says, all right, I'm leaving, and walks out of the room for some reason. And Angela then, very stealthily, and by that I mean with no stealth at all, takes Katie's drinking glass and her daughter's drinking glass and puts them into these enormous Ziploc bags that are making crinkling noises. She's like, <laughs> and she's stuffing them into her gigantic purse. This is this is the most, she's doing it in front of the, the kids are sitting there. She's doing it in front of the children. Brian walks in, and this is my favorite Nicolas Cage moment of this movie. He walks in, he's a fantastic character. He walks in and says, she says, uh, Brian, I thought you were supposed to be at work. And he says, I felt like I needed to spend some more time with Cora, so I took the day off. Great. Father of the year. Great. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, yeah, doctor, I'm just taking off. Fuck it. It's just so great. It's just, oh, yeah, I haven't seen my kid in a month. It's we are going to go to the zoo. <laughs> uh, Angela doesn't think anything is weird about that. Goes about her day. Angela now realizes that she's been drugged. She's getting a little loopy. She drops the cups off to her DNA buddy, the director of the film, and realizes that she's been drugged because she passes out in the car. And then wakes up and it's some time has passed and says, oh, shit, she drugged my smoothie and then still decides to drive home, which that's a bad idea. You know, call an Uber at that point, at least. Yeah. Uh, she gets home and it turns out that Brian didn't feel like he needed to spend more time with Cora. He was planning a surprise shower. So Angela walks into the house drugged. We meet 40 people that have never been in this movie. <laughs> yes, 40 <laughs> random women and Brian in this house. None of yeah, them have been in the no movie. Other, no other men are in this movie. It's just Nick Cage and the director. <laughs> well, that one guy died at the beginning. That's true. <laughs> it's revealed now Brian can somehow tell that she's drugged because she's really loopy. Angela's yelling at Katie, you drugged my smoothie. It's, it's a replay of the scene from before. Brian now yells the single greatest line of dialogue in the history of film. He yells at Angela, Angela, you cheated on me because you said you wouldn't do drugs anymore. 
<laughs> That's not how cheating works. It's really not. <laughs> I mean, she shouldn't have done it, but it's not how cheating works. He walks away. All the guests now leave. So thanks for being in the movie, folks. Katie and Angela go to the kitchen and they're having the, the full argument. Angela's saying, I know who you are. I know what you've done. I have your DNA now. Don't know why she'd be telling her all this. Yeah, you're giving up. Don't show your hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she still has the kid in, inside her. Don't do that. Katie is saying, oh, no one will believe you. You just said it to everyone. No one believed you in this very long scene. Then Katie says, I'd rather die than let you have Gabriel. And she takes Angela's hand, who's holding a knife, and sticks it into her belly. And Kramer, I popped because that fucking came out of nowhere. Yeah, we are suddenly now in the scene in Fight Club where Jesus. Ed Norton beats himself up. Man, this kid, I, I was like, holy shit. Because it came out of nowhere. I did not think that was going in this direction. And yeah, and like you said, it's Ed Norton and Fight Club because Katie starts beating the shit out of herself. <laughs> it's like it's like a liar liar when Jim Carrey's throwing himself across yeah. the bathroom. <laughs> She's hitting her head against the counter and like throwing her body into the refrigerator. It's wild. It is amazing that this movie, almost the entire time we've been watching it, has been excruciatingly slow. The time has made no sense. But like <laughs> from this shower scene to the end, this movie is at fucking going 300% fast yep. into a wall. Like, it is just now we are full balls to the wall the rest of this movie. Yes. Um. In, in the tussle, Angela gets stabbed in the stomach also. Brian runs in. He's concerned, but he also doesn't know what the hell's going on. Katie's telling him she tried to kill me. Angela is there dying on the floor. We cut to a hospital scene where uh, Brian is sitting and uh, our director character guy, Barry, re-enters the film and hands Brian a note about DNA results. That's not how that would happen. <laughs> Listen, the acting that he does when he gets this note is phenomenal. Yeah, oh yeah, he's pouring it on. He's like, oh, because, the, I mean, they show the note. I mean, we don't. I don't know what DNA results would look like, but it's basically like, it looks like a pro-con pie chart. That's what it looks like. Or like, a, you know, whatever, a bar graph. It looks like the uh, it looks like the hot not hot list from Entertainment Weekly, <laughs> and I don't know what this means, but I guess a doctor would be able to discern this without any explanation whatsoever. Because I don't even know if Brian knows a DNA test was ordered, but he reads this and immediately knows that Angela was right about everything and that Katie is a psychopath who's been stealing children. I don't know how he picked all this up, but fine, he he's very distraught about it. A doctor comes out of the room, and in slow motion, we get him shaking his head to Nick Cage. And uh, Brian, you know, breaks down in, in sadness. Brian walks to see Katie, who is who is recovering in, an, in another room. They bandage her up a little bit. And he reveals that Angela has died from her stab wounds. Uh, and Brian explains, like, we're, we're just going to get through this. Don't worry. Don't worry. We have to do this emergency C-section because now the baby is in stress because, yeah, you've been stabbed in the stomach. And Katie professes her love for Brian and out of nowhere kisses him right before she's about to go into a C-section. And ladies and gentlemen, this is red flag number 18, because where did that come from? Brian's kind of like pushing her away, like, oh no, we'll just get through this. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, she wakes up from the C-section. Brian is in the room, says, oh, Gabriel's fine, but there were some complications. So he's in a, he's in a different room. She says, oh, I really want to see my baby. I really want to see my baby. Brian takes her in a wheelchair to the, I guess it's, I guess it's the Nick, Nick U, but honestly it's staged like it's the fucking gift shop of this hospital. <laughs> it's, it really is. It's, it's like, it's like on the main floor. It's, it's outlooking all of the outside windows of the hospital 
which is definitely some kind of child law violations that you could just look in from the parking lot and see babies. He's they're like looking at the baby and and you know you, you can everyone can tell where this is headed. They're looking at the baby. She's really happy. He he leans in. Brian leans into Katie's ear and says, "I want you to take this in because it's the last time you're ever going to see him." He walks into the special Nick Nick U room, picks up picks up the baby. The, the Nick, Nick U room. room. Nick, Nick Cage <laughs> goes into the Nick U room. <laughs> uh, Katie gets up. She's like, oh, so we're going in there. Okay, I'll go in there too. And now we get a hilarious scene where she walks to the door of the Nick U thing and can't get it open. And she's like banging against it. It looks like an SNL sketch. It's so ridiculous. I it's, laughed. It's not even a door that looks like it has a lock on it. It's like a no. glass door. No, because he just walked in. No one unlocked it for him. Did he lock it behind oh. him? It's It's hilarious. Um, and she likes pounding on it. She goes to the front pounding on it. And then, of course, who pops out from another secret door? Don't know where this room is. What the fuck was that? <laughs> she comes out of a closet or something. I don't know. But Angela, who is not dead. It's all, it's all been a swerve, folks. They were, they were working Katie for this last scene, which, by the way, they would not be allowed to do. They're just torturing this mentally unstable woman. She clearly has some issues and they're just torturing her. Would the police say, yeah, you know what? Before we arrest her, go bring her and taunt her with her the baby. <laughs> That none of this would happen. Oh, yeah, and then make it really surprising when Angela comes out. You know, by the way, don't tell her about Angela beforehand. None of this stuff would happen. It's crazy. Well, what? Here's a question. The doctor that came out shaking his head that we lost Angela, what the fuck was that? Oh, he was just walking out, like, oh, man, I lost some money on the game last night. Your wife's fine. <laughs> That's fucking that scene. We did that for no reason other than to just fake out the audience, which really is unnecessary. So Angela's okay. They're, she's hugging Gabriel with Brian. Uh, we see from the window, Katie is very upset, of course. The police walk over and arrest her right on the spot. So again, they were just hanging out off to the side waiting for her to be really upset before they came and got her. <laughs> that's not that's not how copping works, but okay. Um, and our, our last scene is, of course, Brian and Angela have adopted Maddie, the other kid who had been living with them, and they have Gabriel, and they are now a happy, large family who is going to have to deal with years of therapy to get through this. And we see Katie, who was brought to an enormous padded cell. I don't even know if they have padded cells anymore. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. But this padded cell is huge. It looks like a basketball court, and she's just sitting in the corner of it. It's really quite nice. It's very spacious. Um, and then the closing credits roll over images of the padded cell, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> And that is the plot of Inconceivable, Kramer. Do you have any last licks at, at the storytelling of this one? Um, my biggest issue, and this kind of ties into a previous uh, Nick Cage, Gina Gershon film, Face Off. Okay. You just don't get to keep this kid you found. That's, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, That's they true. keep, they're, they're keeping Katie's daughter, who is technically someone else's daughter. That family that, you know... Some members of that family might want to bring her back. Just like in Face Off where they keep the fucking random kid yeah. that belonged to Caster Troy at the end of the goddamn movie. Yeah, th that that never made sense to me either. But you're right. I mean, I guess, yeah, no, it's stupid. <laughs> ignorance is bliss. Now it is time for Ignorance is Bliss, uh, which is the segment where we ask people what they think these movies are about, but they only get the title and the name of the wrestler in it. So we got a few entries. Uh, we did get a few, um, which you made the comment as well, where this is 
the most famous line or one of the most famous lines of dialogue from another movie with a wrestler, Princess Bride. We did get a few entries like that. I'm not going to read any, but just know that people picked up on that and good for them. We also got an entry from Tim. Tim is a longtime contributor, and he does some some pretty inventive takes on these movies. Remember, he had a uh, Hulk Hogan as a phone call <laughs> uh, operator and no holds barred. So here's his take on Inconceivable. Eva Marie, in her most unexpected role yet, can this hard-drinking script doctor overcome seven years of debilitating writer's block in time to save herself and the studio? Marvel, as the former wrestler, literally bashes her head against the wall trying to create a third act from thin air. No one escapes this writer's room alive. So I like this one more after the fact because there is a scene where someone bashes their own head against something. That is true. That's actually a real interesting movie. That would be like a indie darling kind of movie. Like yeah, that. yeah. Probably played by, uh, I mean, I guess Emma Stone maybe, someone like that. Or do we go like Jennifer Aniston, sort of the Oscar bait role? Oh, that, in career? I see Oscar bait on that, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. And of course, Kramer. I spoke to my father about what this movie could be about. So why don't we take a listen to that and we'll get your thoughts afterward. Hey, Dad. Hello, Chris. How are you today? I'm well. Today's movie is called Inconceivable, and it stars the wrestler named Eva Marie. What do you think this movie's about? I would say it's some kind of um, inconceivable. I would say it's probably about uh, romantic involvement. All right, so do you think it's a, uh, <laughs> a romantic drama? Do you think it's a, a comedy? I would say it's a, ro- a romantic comedy. Romantic comedy. Okay, and what what is the title in reference to Inconceivable? Is it the the relationship of the people in the movie or something else? I would say the relationship of the people in the movie. So they're sort of a mismatched pair who start dating? Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and what character do you think Eva Marie plays? Is she one of the people in the relationship? Is she one of the secondary characters? Who do you think she is? I think she's actually in the one of the people in the relationship. So you think she's uh, the, the lead character in this movie? Yes. So these romantic movies usually have some sort of complication to them. That's the only way you can get, you know, sort of a movie-length plot out of a romantic movie. What do you think the complication is in Inconceivable that might be hindering this romance? Oh, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's, in other words, it's, um, you know, there's three people involved. So you think it's a a triangle? It's right. It's a love triangle. So there's (laughs) three characters. Does she end up? in a successful relationship at the end, or is she the one who's pushed to the side by the end? I would say she probably ends up the the one that ends up in the relationship at the end. (laughs) So, so we have a few things to talk about. First of all, uh, my dad somehow coming up with romantic out of the name inconceivable. He's not quite right, but I have to assume it's only because the wrestler's name was clearly a woman. Cause otherwise I don't know how you get romance out of that. No, but you could tell he felt uncomfortable when he said romance also. <laughs> yes, which ties me into my next point about this, where he didn't know how to phrase something, and that's because definitely the thing coming through his mind was, I can't say the word threesome on the air. Because <laughs> that's what he, you can you can just tell that the gears were turning. Like, what's the word that's threesome, but I don't have to say threesome? So I gave <laughs> him triangle, and then he went with that. I also made the mistake of, I feel like I fed him too much information 
and then he just kind of carried along with it. And that's a mistake on my part. I'll do better in the future. But I said to him, oh, is it just their, their mismatch? So that's what's inconceivable. I should have really pushed him on what could be inconceivable about the movie. <laughs> uh, I'm just glad that we have audio history of your father trying not to discuss a threesome. Yeah, it, it, it ties into when uh, I forget what movie it was, but he also retreated quickly from a, oh, it was Cosmic Sin. <laughs> Where he didn't know, he didn't, he couldn't say, is this porn? But he was definitely thinking, this is porn. <laughs> so Kramer, uh, that that's the ignorance is bliss. And since my father couldn't talk about threesomes, we are now going to re- do our threesome review process. It's the three count. Thought of that on the fly. That was nice. That is excellent <laughs> improv work. <laughs> All right, Kramer, as always, three count. We got three questions. These are going to be pretty easy, I think. First up, is this a wrestling movie? Uh, No, it is not a wrestling movie. In fact, the wrestler is killed 20 minutes into this movie, and then I had to sit through another hour and 25 minutes, (laughs) so I hate you. Yeah, I kind of hate myself, too. So this is not a wrestling movie, but what's funny is that I don't actually consider Eva Marie a wrestler to begin with, right? That's that's a popular opinion people have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's a worker, and, and good for her. I mean, I don't... And even in this, I don't dislike her work. I didn't really dislike her when she was still employed, which up until recently was the case. Um, but she, she's kind of... That, that makes sense, that a someone who's not quite a wrestler is in something that's definitely not a wrestling movie. That makes sense. Kramer, I mean, just judging by your commentary throughout this, I'm pretty sure you like this movie. So this is a good movie, right? Uh, no. Keep your mouth shut with those filthy lies. Uh, <laughs> This is a this is a lifetime movie with a bigger budget. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, look, I did not enjoy this movie, but I actually think that it's not as bad as it probably could have been, which is saying something. It's way too long. It's it's very uninteresting. But from like just a general sense of the movie, it's relatively not terrible. Does that make sense? I think it's helped that it's buoyed by actual talented people. And that the premise is at least moderately interesting for this type of movie. It just betrays all of that intrigue by the way it lays out the plot. You mean how it just blatantly tells you what it, what the movie is on multiple times? <laughs> it blatantly tells you what the movie is, and it uses something that could be very emotional and could tell like a real story in the most manipulative way possible. It boils all of this down to like it mixes oh this could be interesting with let's make a slasher movie and it's just not it doesn't work so kramer this could be a complicated question where on the card would you put this oh no it's not complicated this is a jobber ass movie uh if anything (laughs) it's a jobber movie where the talent in question we'll say nicholas cage is so done with this and is just cashing a check that he just kind of shows up Hasn't even changed his clothes. <laughs> gets the pin, rolls out, gets the check, moves on to the next one of these movies. Look, I'm not going to say I'm going to disagree with anything you've just said, but here's what I'll say. I'm going to put it in the mid card because this is one of those. The crowd was hot. You want to cool them off before you bring them back up for the main event. You stick this thing in the middle. It's a good bathroom break time. It's it's too long. Fine, it's definitely too long. But 
God, I, I mean, I'm really having struggle. I'm struggling to support my own theory, but I'm going to put it in the mid card. <sighs> I think you're completely wrong. I mean, I did threaten you with if I fall asleep watching this movie, I wasn't going to go back. So that should say <laughs> yeah. enough about this film. <laughs> I feel like that's an unspoken threat for any movie that I pick for you. So, <laughs> uh, hey, Kramer. Yeah. It's time for the swerve. This is the swamp. So, Kramer, do you remember the movie Cosmic Sin? I do remember the film Cosmic Sin. Yeah. So uh, when we did that, we spoke a lot about Bruce Willis, who's uh, one of the sort of a, a one of the pinnacle actors of our youth, who makes a lot of just these movies that no one hears about and just churns them out on an endless cycle. Well, much like Bruce Willis, Nicolas Cage does a lot of that as well. So I am bringing back a similar game that we played where I have looked at all of the movies Nicolas Cage has made or is making since 2019. And I'm going to name some for you. And you're going to tell me if this is the name of an actual movie he's making or has made or something I've made up. All right. I did like this last time. I'm going to like it this time. I've already began visualizing assorted (laughs) posters where Nick Cage is looking to the left dramatically. (laughs) Uh, yeah, except when they use the same image and flip it to the right for a different movie. Okay, first up, we have The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. There's no way they would ever name a movie something that ridiculous. That's not real. That is real. Um, what the fuck he, is that about? I, I think it might be a documentary. He's playing someone named Nick Cage. So I actually don't know what that is. That might be one of those, oh, I'm playing myself in a joking role. But it is a real movie. So, oh for 1. And we got about 40 of these, so buckle up. Oh, God damn. Next up, Never Before. That is, I'm going to say, not real. It's very vague. Good job. Not real. Next, Die Like Lovers. That sounds like it would be real. So it's a trick question. It is real, but Nicolas Cage is not in it. That's actually one of the ones I gave you when we did the Bruce Willis game. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to say you were wrong about that. Fine. Next, Prisoners of the Ghostland. That one is real. I actually, I've seen that one. You've seen, you've actually seen that? I mean, I've seen the poster for that. Okay, fine. Yes, that is real. <laughs> okay, next, Bad Lieutenant 2, Port of Call, Havana. Uh, see, now, I know that this is a real movie, but I feel like you're trying to trick me with the, f- the wrong title, because I know he was in Bad Lieutenant 2, but I'm going to say it's real. It's fake. God damn it. I made up a sequel to a movie he was. He was in a movie called Bad, Bad Lieutenant Port of Call, uh, New Orleans, I think. That's it. You were. I knew you were fucking with me somehow yep. on that one. Yeah, but you still got it wrong, so whatever. Mm. Next up, Kill Chain. <laughs> That's fake. Stop. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> that can't be real. That sounds like a video game. Yeah, I didn't look into it, but there's got to be a wrestler somewhere in there. We're watching Kill Chain at some point. <laughs> Next, Downstairs in the Garden. Uh, that sounds like straight trash, so it has to be real. <laughs> it's fake. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. This is my favorite <laughs> game because I just love coming up with bullshit titles to movies. <laughs> it's so much fun. You're very good at it. <laughs> I missed my calling. I went into low-level podcasting. Next, Butcher's Crossing. Butcher's Crossing? I'm going to say that is real. That is real. How about Stapler's Run? No, that's not real. That that would never be real. What are you talking about? I just, I got the word stapler in my head and I wanted to try it. (laughs) Next, a score to settle. 
Uh, sounds like vague action movie filled somewhere in like a a European country. So you're saying it's real. It is real. Good job. Next, the retirement plan. Uh, that is not real. That is literally why he is doing all of these movies. <laughs> it is why he's doing it, and it is real. <laughs> Next, follow me. Oh, Jesus. That's got to be fake. Good call, fake. How about the old way? The fucking old way? Oh, God. Fake? Real. <laughs> Son of a bitch. What is that? Now I need to, we need to just do this podcast. <laughs> Well, maybe we could watch Places Far Away. Oh, Jesus. This sounds like it came out like uh, a year after like the place behind the pines or something, just to kind of like sound the same. So I'm going to say it's real. That's fake. <laughs> and our final one, Color Out of Space. That is real. That is real. But that is a wild name for <laughs> Color yeah, Out of Yeah, I don't space. know. I couldn't tell you what that is. It could be a sci-fi movie. It could be a drama about a child that has to learn because you can't color inside the lines. It could be anything. <laughs> All right, Kramer. So I don't know how well you did. There, there were a lot. You probably didn't do okay, but no. who knows? And honestly, I think, mercifully, we have done the job for inconceivable. Kramer, what is coming up next on our show? Well, we actually have something pretty special that's coming up next. Um, we are coming up on one of the most exciting times of the year for wrestling fans. That's right. It's the Royal Rumble. So it's time for the Marks to give you our take on the classic uh, pay-per-view event. We are going to use this opportunity to highlight some of the smaller roles that wrestlers have had over the years in things like film and even TV. Uh, and we're going to do it in a fun, rapid-fire style, uh, similar to the Royal Rumble itself. Uh, yep. I think we'll have a lot of fun with that. Yep, it's going to be a blast. But we are also, we will be giving you a movie during this one, too. We have a short film to uh, whet your appetite for the main event, the Royal Rumble. We will be covering the short fan film, The Fall of Skull, starring what? the machine, Brian Cage, as He-Man. Wait, what? <laughs> Oh, are you serious? This is a thing? I am serious. Oh, man. I am so... I have... Wow. You got me. You got me. Yeah. You yep. This, this is on YouTube, and it's easy to find, and it is ridiculous. Oh, wow. I'm pumped up. Who who, <laughs> who can... What is it? Who can stop the, the rage of Cage? What is it? What is they say in that? <laughs> um, well, that's going to be great. I'm, I'm excited for that and the Rumble. It's going to be a blast until we cover... He-Man question mark you can subscribe <laughs> to our show on Apple Podcasts wherever you're listening now Google Spotify we're on all those you can rate and like us that apparently does help you can follow us on Instagram at movie.marks we'll probably have the uh, I mean I don't know the the jogging Nick Cage we'll probably have to put something with Eva Marie up there's not a lot in this movie that was visually interesting <laughs> yeah and I also have to be careful that we're just not doing creepy Eva Marie posts so We'll, we'll I'll have to pick something not not too scandalous. Um, we're also on Twitter at movie underscore marks. Kramer does some live tweeting of events. He gets liked by people who are important, but they don't retweet us, which is frustrating. So we need retweets. That's kind of the thing, how this works. So uh, if you have suggestions for movies we should cover or comments on a movie we've done, you just want to make fun of us. You can email us at themoviemarks at gmail.com. That's also how you could submit to Ignorance is Bliss. Why don't you tell us 
What what is the name of the movie? The Fall of Grayskull. The Fall of Grayskull. Why don't you tell us what that's about with Brian Cage and give us your thoughts on the Royal Rumble? Why not? That goes to themoviemarks at gmail.com. And of course, we're still actively seeking corporate sponsorship of any kind. If Jonathan Baker wants to give us some money, we'll give him the third chair on this show. In fact, if he <laughs> gives us enough, I'll just give him my chair. I don't care. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Chris Sacco. I'm Chris Kramer. And we're the Movie Marks. Don't look at me like that If I gotta give this back I'm Jimmy Cricket to sleep. I gotta get to work. So don't turn your back. But I used to be okay. So I'm thinking threesome play date, Angie's house, you guys bring the kids, I bring the juice boxes and the booze. Yeah, sounds good to me. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you two continue. <laughs>